second. There we go. I got to turn my mic on. Good morning. How's everybody doing this morning? Good. I'm excited to be up here with you. Um, I'll be honest. I'm a little nervous. My natural audience that usually watches me is like between the ages of five and 12. I see bald heads and beards, so I'm like, this is not my element. So, but super excited to be here with you. Um, we just finished up an amazing three-day VBS over the last three days. Yes. So much fun, so much jello, uh, so much sunscreen. Um, but our team did an amazing job. They put a video together just kind of recapping everything, and we have that for you. But what we do in kids is uh, when we show a video, we say lights, camera, action. So we all say that when we say lights. Say camera. Action.
right? Come on. We had such a blast. We had over 140 kids, over 50 volunteers, and I just want to say a huge shout out. If you played any part in that, if you put crackers in a cup, or if you led a small group, whatever, if you played any part, thank you so much. We could not have done that without you, um, and man, we had such a good time. I'm still pulling jello out of places, so it's fun. Um, it's a couple weeks, or a couple months ago, Pastor Dean and I were talking about this weekend, and and originally, today was supposed to be a big, like, VBS kids takeover. And the more I thought about it, the more I started praying about, God, what do you want me to talk about? The more I felt like I had something I really wanted to share this morning. So I told Pastor Dean, I was like, hey, I'd really like to continue the Supernatural series. Told him my thoughts, and he said, go for it. I was like, great. Now I have a 30-minute standalone message in front of everybody. So it's going to be good. I'm super excited because... Like I said, a couple months ago, um, we started going through this book, and we'll dive into it here in a minute, but God really started working on my heart in some areas that I realized that I was not doing well in. And, um, and what we're going to get into today is, is, is a book from, um, a lot of it's from the book called Atomic Habits. If you've read it, it's a great book. If I do a bad job explaining it today, buy it, because it'll do a lot better than I'll probably do today. Um, but Atomic Habits, I read it a couple months ago, and really what it did was it highlighted a tool in my life that I was weak in. And I want to ask you a question this morning. Have you ever been given a tool that you didn't know what it was or how to use it? I remember right out of high school, I got my first big boy job. I was working at a construction company. We take the old telephone poles out of the ground, we put the new ones in, and then we hook it all up. But day one of the job, uh, we're loading up the poles on the big trailer, and my foreman goes, Preston, run to the trailer and grab the left-handed pipe wrench. And um, I was like, okay, cool, I got it. I had no idea what this was, but I was, didn't want to embarrass myself on the first day, didn't want to say, what is that? And so I didn't have too much pride. So I ran to the trailer, five minutes go by, I have no idea what I'm looking for, no clue. I grab something that looks like a left-handed pipe wrench, and I take it out there. The guys are laughing at me, my foreman goes, dude, no, go back. I'm like, okay. So I go back, tail between my legs. Another five minutes goes by. My foreman comes around the corner. He goes, dude, there's no such thing as a left-handed pipe wrench. Grab the crowbar and let's go tighten these poles down. I was like, dang. Super embarrassed. You know, I had too much pride to even ask. No idea what it was. Not a thing. Fast forward a couple years later, I'm in my first ministry role. I'm an elementary coordinator of a church down in Texas. And I'm given this tool of leadership. And I didn't know how to use it. And there's a theme going on here. I had too much pride to ask for help. I was like, well, I'm given this position. I should know how to do it. I know I, need to know, I should know how to do this. Instead of asking for help, it blew up in my face because I didn't know how to use it. What I want to do today is I want to give you guys a tool and show you how to use it because it's helped me in my life for the last eight months, and I hope that it helps you today. Is that okay if we do that? All right. Tool I want to talk about today is habits, and the message of today is supernatural habits lead to supernatural life. And like I said, we read this book as a, as a lead team about eight months ago, and what it did was, what James Clear did was, he highlighted in my life that I am terrible with habits. I love dreaming, I love thinking of goals and things to do that I want to do, but the systems that to be put in place to, in order to meet these goals is where I struggled. And so thank you, James Clear, for that. But today, I want to define what a habit is because what I, I, two parts of today is I want to look at what a habit is, what the book talks about habits, a few practical steps, but then I really want to dive into the supernatural, spiritual side of habits that we need in our life. And so the book defines a habit 
as a behavior that has been repeated enough times to become automatic. It's pretty simple. When I was thinking about this, I was like, man, what are some things, some habits that I have? And it was hard for me to think about it because they're automatic. I don't even have to think about doing them. They just happen. And what happens is, and the book talks a lot about this, he talks about this thing called the habit loop, and it's four steps that help us create a habit and help us continue to go through habits. And the first thing that it does is there's this thing called the cue. And the cue is the aha moment, your thing that you realize, man, I really need to be better about this. For me, a couple weeks ago, um, I got this notification two Sundays ago from today that told me how much time I spend on my phone a day for the week. Guys, it's alarming. (laughs) It was five and a half hours. I'm very embarrassed to share. Five and a half hours a day, not the week, a day that I spend on my phone. And this is my aha moment of, oh my gosh, I spend way too much time on my phone. That's the aha moment. That's the cue that the book talks about. The cue triggers the second thing. B is going to be a craving. A craving is the motivational force behind a habit. For me, that motivational force was, I need, to be, be, I need to be a lot better about being off my phone. A lot better about being off my phone. That was my craving. I can't keep doing this. I got to get better. The third thing is the response. The response is the habit that we, act, that we put in place. For me, I knew that two areas where I spent a lot of time on my phone was in the morning when my alarm goes off, it sits right there next to my nightstand. I just grab my phone, turn my alarm off, and I just start scrolling through, um, you know, all the things, emails, whatever it would be, social media. Okay, let's be honest. <laughs> social media. And then next thing you know, I have to get up and get ready for work. Like, and then the second place was before I go to bed. I lay in bed and just scroll, you know, Jenna's there next to me. We're like, hey, what's up? And then I plug my phone in, and it was easy. It was there. It's, it was close. It was easy for me to do that. So what I did was I moved my whole docking station to my dresser, away from my nightstand, because I know myself, I'm too lazy. I don't want to lay in bed, scroll, and then have to get up to put it on the charger. I knew myself. So I knew that if I moved it away, that I would get away from my phone. That's the, that's the response, the actual habit. I moved it away so that I put it on the charger and then I go to sleep. Then the fourth thing is the reward. This is the good part. This satisfies the craving. Last week this time, after a whole week of doing this, I found out, I got the notification on my phone. I've been waiting for this. Are y'all ready for this? This is good. This is a good part. An hour and 10 minutes less a day. That's like 20% that I was off my phone. Yeah, y'all can clap. Come on, that's good. Thank you. This satisfies my craving, okay? It satisfied my craving. And this is why it's called the habit loop because then it triggered another aha moment of like, where else can I put my phone down? While I'm at work? Can I put it down when I'm spending time with my wife and, and we have some quality time when we go out to dinner? Can I just leave it in the car? Like, you, know, you see what I'm saying? It, it triggers another cue to another craving and then it just keeps, it's just a loop. Thanks, James Clear. But here's the thing. When we want to start a new habit, when we want to do something new, a lot of times, and I'm speaking from experience, a lot of today what we're, I'm going to say is coming from experience. So I'm not trying to cast it on you guys. I'm saying I know. A lot of times when, when we want to start a new habit is that we feel we have to make this drastic change. Am I right? We feel like we have to make leaps and bounds, maybe not with a phone, but maybe if we're trying to get in shape. Maybe if we're trying to eat better, if we're trying to be better with money, We feel like we have to make these drastic changes. 
I remember back in January, I'll, I'll pick on myself a little bit. I, Jen and I set a bunch of goals. I set a bunch for myself. I told myself I wanted to work out three times a day. or three, Yeah, right. <laughs> Drastic changes, right? No. Woof. Three times a week outside of playing basketball. I love playing basketball. I usually play about two, three times a week already. So I told myself I wanted to do this. I don't know if I was mentally prepared. Three or four weeks into it, I quit because I made too big of a change. You're like, really? Three times a week? Stop. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I made a drastic change, and I set too high of an expectation for myself and that I wasn't ready to fulfill. The book talks about we have to be able to do the 1%. The 1% rule is the last thing on here. And this is hard for a lot of us because, like I said, we feel like we have to make big changes, and the 1% is easy to do, right? It says if you get 1% better a day for a whole year, you'll be 37% better by this time next year. But that's hard to do because it's so easy to do the little things. It's so easy to do little things where the 1%, you know what, I'm gonna get up at 6.30 tomorrow. That's a good start. And then the next day, you know what, I'm gonna get up and put my workout gear in my gym bag. Okay, work up to those things because what happens is, 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 after we get burnt out, we're going to quit and we're going to revert back to the things that we were doing before that we weren't happy with. The book talks about this thing called the plateau of latent potential. There's a graph in your handout and this graph shows that there's a trajectory of where we think we should be, right? This thing going here, we're like, oh, we started working out once. I don't see anything, you know? But then if we do the 1%, there's this line here. It says of where we actually are. And what happens is a lot of us back out before we get to the point where we see results. What is a habit? It's a behavior that we do enough times to become, what is that word? Automatic. We back out before something gets automatic in our life because we throw too much of it, too much of it on ourselves. And we think, man, I can't keep doing this. But if we were to start slow and work our way up, things would get automatic. I spent a week, I'm, I'm two weeks in with my phone, I'm putting it on the charger, and it's automatic for me. I don't even have to think about it anymore. It goes on there, and I leave it alone. That's an easy one. That's an easy win for me. But it cues a different, tra- different craving to want to be better in different areas. To get rid of a bad habit, you have to make it impossible to repeat. You have to make it impossible to repeat. What does that look like? If you want to get, re- we get better about being in shape, get rid of the junk food. Throw it out. Bring it to my house, you know? Um, <laughs> sorry, what? Um, but you have to get rid of it. Make it impossible for you to, to, to repeat. If you want to get better about eating, go to the grocery store with somebody. Have an accountability partner that you go shopping with. If you want to get better about that, don't go down the chips and, and snack aisle. That's a tough one for me, man. I love that aisle. You see what I'm saying, though? If you, if you want to get rid of something, make it impossible for you to be around it. I said this a second ago, but number five is you set an unrealistic expectation when you expect too much of yourself. Start slow. Set some small wins. And it feels like we're not doing anything, but over time, we start to see those things over a time where it becomes automatic. We start to see that cut. You know what I'm saying? You start to see the poundage go down. You start to see the savings get higher. We got to start slow because we expect too much of ourselves. We get burnt out and then we blame ourselves. That's a basic cliff note version of like the first few chapters of this book. It's a great book. If I did a good job, 
Check it out. It's, like I said, it's got a lot more content in there. But what I wanted to do first was give you a basic understanding of a habit. What a habit is, how are they formed in our lives, how can we get rid of some, and then go from there. And now I want to talk about a few supernatural habits in our lives that we can implement to make us a better, uh, better person, a better spouse, a better father, a better parent, um, ultimately just a better person, a better Christian. And, but I want to ask you a question this morning. Are you where you want to be? If you were to look at your life and give yourself a 10-second evaluation, are you where you want to be in this morning? I feel pretty comfortable saying a lot of us would probably say no. Some of us might even say H-E double hockey stick no. But let's be honest this morning because until we are honest about where we're at, God can't do anything with us. We can't start to get better if we're lying about our actual, where we actually are. The best, the, the best way I can describe this for you is that how many of you guys know that on your phone you can, you can drop a pin on your map of where you actually are, and if Jenna wanted to be like, hey, where you at? I can drop a pin of where I'm actually at and send that to her. The trouble with this is, the problem with this is that I can actually drop a pin of somewhere I'm not actually at and send that to her as if that's where I am. And I feel like a lot of times when we come in here on Sunday morning, again, speaking from experience, we walk into the building and we're dropping a pin over where we're not actually at. We're putting on this facade of, oh man, I'm blessed and highly favored this morning. Oh, I'm doing good. Really? Because you just kind of told me a couple weeks ago that you're going through divorce. Like, where are you actually at this morning? Man, I've been, I've been serving the last couple months at obligation because I'm just not just not feeling it, but I know they need me. But if it wasn't for that, I wouldn't be here. Where are you actually at? Man, we're, we've been trying to keep it together for the kids, but I don't know if we're going to make another year. Where are you actually at this morning? You see, if you don't do anything else this week, be honest about where you're at, because that is the most holy and the most spiritual thing that you can do this week, is to sit there and say, God, I'm struggling. God, it's been so hard. I haven't even felt your presence in so long and I'm, I'm struggling to even know if you're actually here, if you're actually for me, where are you? If you can't do that, how is God gonna get you to where he wants you to go if you're lying about where you really are? Be honest with where you're at this morning. First thing, what do we have to do? We have to drop a pin. Evaluate yourself. Evaluate where you're at and drop a pin. You see, God won't bless who and where we pretend to be. He will bless who and where we actually are, but we have to start there. I'm comfortable sitting up here saying that I've been in hard times before. I've made a lot of mistakes, trust me, too many to count, that I know that, and I'm not going to get into the argument of, well, God allowed it to happen or God didn't allow it to happen. I'm not here to say that, but what I will say is that God will use it. God will use the mistakes that we've made, the things that we've done in our life to put us to where we need to be. But we have to be honest about it. And a lot of times if it looks bad, it's just because we're in the middle of it. What does Romans 8.28 says? He says, and we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Another translation says, and we know that all things are working currently at this moment for my good. Not past tense, not worked, working. Y'all say working. 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 
That means it's happening. So if, if it looks bad, it's just because you're in the middle of it and God hasn't gotten you through it yet. I've been in too many situations to, to stand there and be like, you know what? I don't know what's going to happen. But I know God's got me because if I can't do it, there's, he's got to be able to do it because I know that I can't. The song we sang today, let me stand upon the water and trust in him. I don't know the words, but it was in there. And it reminded me of like, hey, this is kind of what I'm talking about today. It's a good song. <laughs> Exodus, three and, Exodus chapter 3, 4 and 5. We'll get into a couple habits that we can do. Moses is sitting there and he's, he's talking, um, he's following this thing. There's this bush that's on fire there and he's walking towards it. And this is where we pick up in verse 4. It says, when the Lord saw that he had gone over and to look, God said, he called it to him and said, Moses, Moses. And Moses replied, here I am. And God said, do not come any closer. Take off your sandals for this place where you are standing is holy ground. The first supernatural habit that we have to do is that we have to be available. When God called out to Moses and Moses replied, here I am, Lord, he was making himself available to God. I think about this and I, and I remember about eight years ago, it's been, a very, it's been a long time, I was living in Houston and I was playing basketball at a local gym and I joined the city league and we played 10 games, two games a week for five weeks and we joined this team and we're five games in and I haven't played once. Um, it's fine. But our coach had six guys that he played and just rotated those six. So I was number seven and uh, it's fine. I was sitting there. But five games in, still haven't played. The sixth game comes around and I'm sitting on the bench and one guy rolls his ankle right before the second half. So I'm like, hey, I'm the sixth man, you know, getting pumped. I'm getting excited. Lace to actually tie my shoes. Um, and then the, the coach said in the huddle at halftime, he goes, hey, we're just going to run with these five for the second half. I was like, dang, you know, <laughs> I was kind of disappointed. But then a couple of our guys on the team had an ego. They had like, you know, they were too hot for, for a city league. And so one dude started doing all this weird Steph Curry stuff, you know, and um, the coach checked him. He said, hey, bro, get yourself together. And he started, he just ran his mouth, started running his mouth. And because of his ego, the coach pulled him. And guess who's the sixth man to get in? Come on. You know. Yes, sir. So I get in. Eight minutes left. We, I, we, we score, I score 15 points. We end up winning the game because, well, not because of me, but you know what I'm saying. I get in, and we do the things, and we end up winning. I was available. I was ready. It was funny, though, because I remember the coach would look down the line, and I was like, I made it physically impossible for him to look past it. I was like, you know. He did. He put me in, and we ended up winning. But here's the thing, what, what they didn't know, what the coach didn't know, the other team didn't know, is that when no one was looking, I was working on my jump shot. When no one was looking, I was working on my crossover. I was doing things that I knew I needed to be better in so that when my number was called and my time came, I was ready. I was available. To the point where the coach from the other team came up to me and he said, man, what's your name? And he introduced himself. I was like, man, you know. I'm 6'1", 160, soaking wet, you know, and there's, like, I'm the smallest, the shortest, the skinniest guy on my team, and he's coming to talk to me, and I introduce myself, and we're talking, and he goes, man, I'm actually a coach for the ABA, and we play in the, uh, in pickup leagues like this in the off season. I'd love for you to join our team. <laughs> I'm like, is there a dude you're, like, looking at over me or something? Here's the thing. 
God's not looking for our capability. He's looking for our availability. I wasn't the most capable on that team, but I was available. I worked when I knew I needed to, and I made myself available so that when my time came, I was ready. God's looking for our availability. When we get up in the morning, God, use me today. I'm ready to be used by you. I'm a vessel of you. Speak through me today. We have to wake up. It's a daily thing. We have to be available to God when we get up in the morning. That's the first habit because it's not automatic. It's not the first thing I want to do when I wake up. We have to be available to God. Y'all say be available. The second habit that we have to do is that, this one hurts, we have to be vulnerable. Oof, I don't like this one. When God said, stop, don't come any closer, what did he tell him to do? He said, take your shoes off. What was he doing? He was taking off his protection. When we're vulnerable, we have to take off our protection. Not to God, but to people. And this is the hardest thing because being vulnerable for me is really hard. Because I grew up in a household that, that said you had to be the man, you had to be, provide and do all these things. And so when I get married, what do I do? I put on that, that big boy coat and say, okay, I can provide. I can do the things. When she's weak, I got to be strong. That's not what scripture says. What does 2 Corinthians 12, 9 say? He says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in what? Weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. We have to take off our protection. We have to be vulnerable. When you're sitting in your small group and, and, and you're going around the circle and someone says, hey man, how's your, how's your week going? Oh man, I'm good. What are you doing? You're putting up a wall. We put up walls because we feel like we're just push, we're just protecting ourselves from people. But what we're really doing is we're pushing God out too. We're not just pushing away people, we're pushing God out too. We have to be vulnerable. We have to put that wall down. And this is really hard for me because a couple months, uh, about seven weeks ago, Jen and I are, were sitting in our apartment across the street and our lease is about to be over. She's not working at the time and we're looking at what prices would be to move. Inflation is crazy. <laughs> um, and, and we're looking at everything, pushing the numbers, and we're like, we can't, we can't afford to do anything. We couldn't even afford to stay in the apartment we were currently in. And she looked at me and she goes, what are we going to do? Instead of saying, oh, I got this, you know, let me go get a second job or let me go make it happen. And, and, and I'm not saying working is the wrong thing to do, but I'm saying I had to be vulnerable and say, I don't know. I don't know. And we went to God. We started praying. We're like, God, we, there's no other answer other than to trust in you. I had to be vulnerable. That's a hard thing for me to do. But within the week, Jenna gets a, a job interview and it goes to the next one and she, finally, she gets a job and, and she loves it. It's great. And then within the week after that, we found this place online and, and it just within a matter of hours, really, she offered it to us and, and things started to happen. Why? Not because of I did anything, because of God, because in my weakness, and my honesty and being vulnerable and taking my protection off is God made strong. But only until we are vulnerable in doing so is God, being, is God able to show up in our lives. We have to be available. We have to be vulnerable. And we have to be sensitive. Last one is we have to be sensitive. But you can't be sensitive unless you take off your protection. God start, uh, Moses started walking towards the bush. He could feel every twig, everything on the bottom of his feet. He was sensitive to the holy ground. 
Now this one's tough. This one's tricky because we have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. There is something so powerful about when we are able to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit when he softens our heart to others. See, when Jenna comes to me and she goes, hey, babe, I got to talk to you. You know, you said something the other night that really hurt my feelings. If I'm not sensitive to, the, to, to what God's trying to do in my heart, my initial reaction is like, oh, no, that's not what I meant. I didn't mean that. What am I doing? I'm cutting off and just tossing out what she's saying when she's trying to be vulnerable to me, trying to be vulnerable to me. We have to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. When he does that, he'll soften our heart. What happens if your kids come to you and they're struggling with something, they want to talk to you about it, but we just write it off? They're not going to want to come to us. They're not going to trust us and be vulnerable with us, so they're going to go somewhere else where they're going to be fed the answer that's probably feeding the thing that they're struggling with. Most of the times, that's what happens. If we're not vulnerable, if we're not honest, if we're not sensitive, People aren't going to want to trust us. You see, there's something, something supernatural in that moment of comfort when they know that you are hearing them. The Bible references this 16 times in the New Testament. It's in Matthew eleven fifteen. 15. It says, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. 16 times it says that in the New Testament. We have to be vulnerable and we have to be sensitive. That's hard to do when we get up in the morning we got to be available. God, use me today. God, speak to me. Soften my heart so that when someone comes around and, they're he- and, and, and they need something, that you imprint on my heart. What would happen if, if the pastor, pastoral staff would stand out in the lobby and someone came out and be like, man, I'm really struggling. I'm like, man, God's got you. <laughs> and i just turn around. <laughs> they're probably going to find another church. You know what I'm saying? If we're not sensitive to what the Holy Spirit's trying to say and do in our lives, People aren't going to want to talk to us. They're not going to want to trust us. Your small group's going to fall apart because no one's going to want to be there because they're like, yeah, yeah, they weren't really hearing what I was saying. Can you guys stand with me real quick? Can you guys stand up, please? We talked about how a habit's formed. We talked about ways that we can implement them in our lives. And what I hope is that these supernatural habits, that we can begin to implement those in our lives. We make them automatic. We make them good to see in our lives, good to do time and time again. But I want to go back to that question I asked you of where are you at this morning? Where are you at this morning? Because this is where we have to start. We have to start in that moment of honesty, of saying, you know what, this is, this is where I really am. Maybe you're sitting there and you're like, man, I, I've gotten off track and I want to I wanna bring it back and, and realign with what God's purpose is in my life. But I want to ask you another question. If, if you're sitting there, you're like, man, my life's a mess and I don't, I don't have God in my life. I've never really trusted God. That's an honest place to be. That's the most holy thing you can do to say, yeah, I don't know if I'm believing what you're saying, but I know my life's a mess right now. I know I need something else. I came here because there is nothing else for me to try before I just give up. That's the most holy and spiritual thing that you can do is to be honest about where you're at. But I never want you guys to leave, and I know Pastor Dean doesn't either want you to leave without knowing that there is someone for you, that there is someone always there to help turn your life around if we would just give him our life. I want to ask you that question this morning. If you're sitting there, you're like, you know what, Preston, I just, I got nothing left and I want to give God my life and I want to, I want to try this out because I got nothing left. 
you're sitting here this morning and, and you want to give God your life and just be honest about where you're at. On the count of three, I want you guys to raise your hand because I promise you there's nothing that you could do or ever will do that's going to turn him away from you. And all it takes is a swift moment to say, God, I'm here. I'm here and I need you. One, two, three. It's okay, you can lift it up. We're gonna pray for you here in a minute. We got one right here, thank you God. Come on. Someone's gonna be there to pray with you. I just wanna pray for you guys real quick. Can I do that? You put your hand over your heart. I have all the kids put their hand on their heart when we pray because it's a sign of where this is coming from. It's coming from our heart. God, we love you. God, we thank you today. Lord, I pray that habits become more real in our lives, that supernatural habits to get to know you, to be able to bring you into our lives today. God, that they become relevant more than ever. We love you and we thank you for everything that you do today. Thank you for all the dads here. God, that you bless them, that you honor them this morning. God, we give you all the glory and all the praise for today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us today. I hope you've enjoyed the service. If you live here in Colorado Springs or you're going to be in the city, I hope that you'll come and experience the service firsthand. And for those of you that are enjoying the ministry and you're being fed to on a weekly basis, I invite you to partner with us financially and make an investment into the mission and the vision of Rock Family Church. And lastly, if you've never made a commitment and a decision to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, would you make that decision today? Why wait till tomorrow? Why wait till next weekend? I dare you to pray this prayer with me. Would you close your eyes? Would you pray this prayer with me and repeat it? It goes like this. Pray this with me. Say, dear God, forgive me of all of my sins and mistakes. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And I invite him to be the Lord of my life. Thank you for loving me and forgiving me. My life is now in your hands. Jesus Christ is my Lord. Amen. Hey, thanks for making that commitment. Will you email us at info at rockfamilychurch.com. Tell us about your new decision to stand up big and live strong for Jesus Christ. We'd love to celebrate with you. God bless you guys. We'll see you next weekend.